Welcome to Game of Books with Kathy in South Dakota. That's me. And Christy in South Florida. That's me. We're two newbie writers sharing our take on wine, food, and mystery books. And the authors who write them. Join us for the fun. (sighs) We're back and I can't wait to delve into this episode. Episode number 19. We're back. It's been a minute. I know. It's been a minute. (laughs) It has. It has. But you know what? As always, we need to... Uh, I was going to say uncork this bottle, but I, I'm going to say unscrew this unscrew bottle. Unscrew this bottle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tell them what it is, Kathy. Okay. So today we are having Starborough Sauvignon Blanc from uh, New Zealand. So let's take uh, a little taste and I'll tell you about it. That's so funny when you just said that because... I had written down Scarborough. I know. I saw that this morning and I thought, hmm, that doesn't look right. I know. And then I, when you said that, I said, that doesn't sound right. And then I looked at the bottle sitting here and I'm like, well, she's right. So this is <laughs> interesting. This is one of my favorite whites, actually. I, I um, have drank this now for maybe a year and a half. I kind of discovered New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs a while ago. And I really like this one. And I was hoping you would, too. Um, so what's really interesting about this is that um, New, New Zealand has quite a reputation now for white wines, or at least for Sauvignon Blancs, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And so this one is from the South Island. And um, the South Island actually only started being used for wine production, apparently in 1973. Which to me doesn't seem that long ago since it was in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm sure our sound editor would think that's a million years ago. Yeah, right. Like, what? <laughs> so um, there's an, a region called the, called the Marlborough region, and it's on the east coast of mm-hmm. the island. And it's protected by a ridge of mountains to the west, and so it limits the amount of rainfall. And it makes it a really sunny area. So they get a Let's go. Let's go. I know. It makes it a really nice growing region, apparently. So. Mm, Well, it is good. What do you think? I think it's good. I think it, you know what? The first sip, it kind of reminded me of like, um, uh, dare I say the high school Chablis or something. The high school Chablis? Oh, no. (laughs) That's like a long time, like it brought back memories or something. So I'm like, well, I don't know, you well, know. I wasn't say uh, maybe because it's fruity. Let's hope it's because it's fruity. Okay. okay. So there are the tasting notes. Um, do say there's layers of citrus and tropical fruit with hints of fresh green characters. I'm not sure what characters they mean. If they mean <laughs> grass or they mean herbs, but anyway. Oh, I can taste the the. Yeah, it's crisp. I, it I is really very like crisp. the crispness. Yeah, and that's why I like it. But it says it has flavors of passion fruit, guava, and kiwi, Ooh. layered Ooh. over a citrus framework, which culminate in a crisp, approachable palate. Yum. Well, you know, kiwi's kind of green, so maybe that's what maybe maybe that's the green character. <laughs> so that is so. Um, what are you supposed to have this with? Well, I'm just curious because I wonder if I picked a good dinner tonight or not. Oh, interesting. Um, fish. It's very well paired with fish. Okay, and that was... I'm having swordfish. Oh, you're kidding, really? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes. Okay. Well, that's great. I love it. Yes. So that is Starborough Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough region of New Zealand. Great. Great. Yeah. So what 
So, so what's going on up there? Okay, so I, well, we haven't talked for a while, actually. We've had Easter mm-hmm. since we've talked last, which has been That's a while. That's true. So I have to tell you a funny story this week. I, I, I am an Amazon shopper. I will be completely honest with um, mm-hmm. a lot of other people I know, right? Boxes come to your door. It's very convenient. I do shop locally also, just want to say. Right. But right. Um, I do enjoy the... You're an equal opportunity shopper. I am. <laughs> and so this week I got... And, you know, Amazon sends things, you know, individually so often. And so right. I got a few packages this week and... I opened a couple of them, and I did not recognize what was in them. I hadn't ordered them, and I thought my children maybe had. And then I saw the contents, and I thought maybe maybe they ordered them for me as a gift, and I wasn't going to say anything, but usually they'll tell me, you know. And so then I thought, right. well, I'll just look and see if they ordered them. I'll go on our account. No, they didn't. So I asked them last night. I'm like, you guys, what is this? So my children came up with this entire huge conspiracy theory. I received... <laughs> A beautiful wine glass in the mail. And it's yoga related. I, In case people don't know, I've been really immersing myself in yoga lately. And mm-hmm. I'm taking a yogurt, yogurt, a yogurt, a yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> need some more wine. I'm taking a yoga teacher training and my graduation's actually this weekend. I'm a little Woo-hoo. nervous about it. I know. I know. So I got a really cute wine glass that says yoga class, question mark. I thought you said pour me a glass. And I just thought, this is hilarious. <laughs> and then I got these adorable wine charms, you know, for stem glasses <laughs> with a bunch of lotus symbols on them. Yoga lotus symbols. I'm like, this is, what is going on? And then I got the cutest yoga headband. And so I'm thinking, and I thought, part of me was thinking, I think this might be a gift, but I don't know who would send this to me. And my daughters, though, thought, oh, my gosh, someone's hacked your account, and they know what you're into. They know that you love yoga, and they know that you love wine. And they've had, and I said, well, if someone's going to hack my account. Why would they send you gifts? So my daughter's conspiracy was that a a hacker was sending me yoga-related wine gifts. (laughs) That would be really funny. That would be really funny. The hacker was you. I know. I was so disappointed because I had these really cute notes with each one, you know, because they were gifts. So it was like, you know, this is for your podcasting days, not your yoga days or whatever, you know, all this stuff. And um, and then I and then I was like, she hasn't responded. I wonder if I put the wrong address. No, but I got them in three different packages, but not one had your message in them. Like nothing. That's in so them. weird. That's so, annoying. And, you know and that's funny. I have sent many gifts that way, too. And I always rely on that packaging, you know, note. Yeah. And so now I'm not going to do that anymore. So then Christy's like, so uh, did you get some gifts yesterday, you know, recently? I'm like, oh, you were the one. <laughs> I was like, she's been working so hard. I can oh. barely get in a conversation. She's got yoga all weekend and now she's going to graduate. It's so impressive. So. Your little girl's So you needed up. a little... Yoga gifts. Well, Yoga podcasts. Nice. Wine gifts. It's hilarious. Well, good. I'm glad you liked them. I did very much. And as you know, I will put them to good use. <laughs> yes. So what's new on your end other than shopping for me? 
Ah, uh, yes, that's what I was doing. And um, I, I was impressed with myself um, for figuring that out ahead enough of time to right. get the gifts to you because normally I'm like, what, tomorrow you're graduating? <laughs> but um, but otherwise, um, just trying to get back in the swing of things, you know, after I, you know, flew up to North Carolina, that was the pollen apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> as, as our sound editor termed it, I thought that was really funny, great, thunder, yeah. snow, and pollen apocalypse but um uh because my daughter you know she had broken her wrist Mm -hmm. so she got her cast off yesterday um so she's all excited about that but she had for six weeks it was on her right hand so she couldn't write i forgot i know hand and can you imagine, like, I'm wondering, like, I haven't really talked to her. Maybe she didn't brush her teeth the whole time either. <laughs> Who knows? Because no. you do you do everything with your right hand and all this grooming stuff, with your, you know. But, um, <laughs> you know. And, and, and then I was going to, like, you know, say, well, sh- she had to tell all her professors, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm going to take a little bit longer to write because I got to write with my left hand. <laughs> Were and they I was going to like send a note. To- yeah, they were. But <laughs> then I was going to send them a note saying she's really left handed, which she's not, though. She's, <laughs> she's right handed. So she- it was a hard road, but I'm very proud of her for making it through those six grueling weeks of a cast. And well, it looked like so- other than the, 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 the giant pollen um, yeah. influx, it looked like it was a beautiful trip. Yes, it was. I mean, North Carolina at that time is so pretty. At this time, really, mm-hmm. you know, because everything's blooming and stuff. So, um, so anyway, yep. Oh. So, got a little visit, got some hugs in, and now we're back to back Here to we work. Are back at it. So yes, let's we take are. another sip of our Starborough okay. Sauvignon Blanc, and I'm really <laughs> yes. excited to get into our mystery from today. Ooh. Yes. Yes, it's very drinkable, don't you think? Yes. Maybe Very it's just tasty. my new great glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, yeah, the book we chose was The Chef by James Patterson with Max Delalo. Delalo. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. So, of course, being, you know, the foodies that we are, this was a must read. Right. How could we not, not read The Chef? Right. And not to mention it was, you know, number one bestseller and everything, you know, as are almost all of James Patterson's books. So um, this fell right along those lines. And so we read it and then we had to wait a little while because we had lots of quirks and conversations, but now we're getting to talk about it a little. And, um, and so the book itself, it, it has a really good premise I think, um, because it's a cop who is now a food truck chef yeah, in New Orleans. That. Yeah, that's kind I of I know. So that's just like a, that, yeah, that's kind of a great like setup. I mean, nobody else is a sh- cop turned chef in New Orleans on a food truck, you know? Yeah. And then on top of that, we've got terrorist threats during Mardi Gras. Right. So... You know, there's a lot that can be done with it. And, and, um, and I did love, I love the food scenes and I loved all the glimpses of New Orleans. I like, I can't wait to hear what all you, you got out of all that when we start talking about the food. Um, because I just think New Orleans is such a 
fascinating city. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and it definitely kept me guessing. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, I would so agree. There, were, yeah. there were twists and turns. But there is one thing. I kind of did not like the main character, Caleb. Oh, Christy. I, got it. I, I know. I, I know. And I'm either. like, going, really? <laughs> because, you know, I mean, we're, we're um, I don't know. Well, I think like we are always kind of told like, hey, they should have flaws, you know, the main characters to make them interesting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, maybe there can be a, f- there's a fine line between having flaws and making the character unlikable. I know it's, it is subjective. I mean, there's yeah. people out there. I mean, think about it. You know, there's probably people that love Malfoy instead of Harry Potter, uh, which I, I think might be a little bit crazy. Likes You're kidding me? No, I am not. <laughs> it makes me crazy every time she says it. No, I agree. I know. And, and we're not, and this, yeah, yeah, this character is not evil by any means, no. but he's just, I don't know. He's so egotistical. Yeah. That I kind of like, I kind of was like, I, I want him to learn a lesson rather than everything to work out his way. <laughs> I did like, it took me a minute. I mean, it took me a minute to warm to him. I will, I will completely yes. agree with you. I did yes. like um, the relationship he had with the food, um, with his food truck partner. Should yes. His ex- yeah, I like that. That, sure. warmed, that helped me warm to him. Yes, yeah, because they seemed, you know, if she still likes him, even though he's kind of cocky and everything. But, but I, you know, and I guess it started out too in the very beginning when he was just like, "Oh, I'm going to quit my job because nobody supports me because I'm the greatest guy around, mm-hmm. and they're just, you know, questioning me at work." And I'm like, "Well, in this day and age, they're going to question everybody, yeah. and you know, you know, roll with it and keep going." So I kind of thought, well. And he, he does make some questionable decisions throughout the book. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. So you kind of like half root for him. At least I was half rooting for him and mm-hmm. half like, hmm. And of course, I wanted everything to turn out good for New Orleans. So, you know, you had to kind of root for him. But yeah, I did I kind know. of hate the, um, the premise of this, in, you know, this really big um, crisis facing New Orleans, I think because of what they've mm-hmm. that city's already been through. Well so I mean obviously right. that was a really good plot. I mean um choice on Patterson's part. Yeah. Because I was really mm-hmm. rooting for him to solve this because I thought, oh, New Orleans cannot handle another crisis. Right. Um, right. But I And fortunately he was there because he's the only one that could solve it. I know. I know. He was a little over the top. He's a little larger than life, let's say. But that's okay. I'm sure, you know, it was a number one. They made, an, they made good money on the book. And, you know, I'm sure, who knows? It might spin off into another another book. Well, so we'll I see. I had mentioned that I liked his relationship with the food his food truck partner, who happens to uh-huh. be his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, that was his hu- humanizing area. I mean, right. for me, that was. And his love of the food. I mean, I also, right. I did like how he clearly had respect and love for the city and all the food and the traditions. Right. And he would visit right. other restaurants and talk about those. And I liked that part of it, obviously. Yeah. Time. And, it, and you know, to be fair, I mean, we didn't hear his every thought. So he no. might have, you know, I mean, you know, the book would have had to been a lot longer, I guess. So, um, so yeah, so. 
anyway, yeah. it was I, so that was my whole like takeaway on the non food side, okay. but on the food side, the food side was huge. I mean, it's a great thriller. Huge. I mean, it's one. It's just yes. like very page turner. It's a great page turner. You know what you're going to get with James Patterson. It's fast. Mm-hmm. It's intense. Mm-hmm. Um, the food though was so such a fun part of this book. I thought. Now I. So, have you been to New Orleans? I'm assuming you have. Yes. Yes, I have. Multiple times? And I, or? Uh, a, a few times. I mean, not, uh, yeah, a few times. Like, yeah. I've <laughs> Trying to think. Okay, I went to Mardi Gras once. I yeah. went one other time when I was traveling around the country. And then another time I went, like, for a mom's um, like a weekend, weekend, like mm-hmm. a long weekend with yeah. a bunch of friends. And, um, and then I went another time when we were driving through with... I think Connor was in my belly. Oh, sound editor, and that would be well. I my sister used to live there actually, and so oh really? Yeah, she did. So you've been there quite a bit, probably only twice, because her at the time she was married to somebody in the military service, and so that's where they were located for a while. And mm-hmm. um, so I I've been twice only, and really only one time went down to experience the city and the food and you know all of that. Mm-hmm. And it is just eye candy. I mean, it's just, yeah. and it, the senses, like your senses are just overcome. And I think they do, a, right. I think these two authors do a good job of that in the book because it's just mm-hmm. so much all the time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the food. So the reason mm-hmm. I chose Starborough Sauvignon Blanc is because it does pair so well with seafood. Mm-hmm. And specifically, mm-hmm. every time I would um, look up what pairs well with New Orleans cuisine, um, mm-hmm. they would say a crisp white and Sauvignon Blanc was always the top of the list. And so. Oh, so maybe I'll also make a little etouffee with my See, I, yes, I wanted to ask you about that. But it, it, <laughs> it's supposed to, you know, that, that crisp um, Christmas is supposed to cut the spice. So. Mm-hmm. That's could, interesting. Yeah, isn't it? Because this is very, um, it's very fragrant. I mean, it's kind of a, it's just got a lot of flavor to it Mm -hmm. don't you think more than Mm -hmm. just like a pinot grigio or something yes i do and but it's not like it doesn't have like i don't like you know the sort of end taste of chardonnays and this doesn't have that it's kind of like crisp like you said Mm -hmm. it's good yeah and so that's that's why they always pair it with um New Orleans cuisine, and so well, I tell you, I did buy some shrimp when I bought the swordfish, and I do have some etouffee sauce in the freezer. So I just really, <laughs> I I know. Aren't you, you fancy? Know what? <laughs> I am. I'm I so am fancy. fancy. <laughs> so we should tell everybody that the the food truck in the book serves a lot of different, um, very traditional New Orleans cuisine, but but they're and I of, love the names. Tell them. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Like the waddle and the oh, the names of the <laughs> what foods. they call yeah. But is yeah. the name of the food truck Killer Chef? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it kind that of good you know played to the city on his kind of bad boy cop persona by being Killer Chef. But anyway, um, they serve <laughs> po' boys, and so that is what I wanted to delve into because I was very mm-hmm. curious about this. And so basically, that the po' boy is a traditional sandwich from Louisiana and New Orleans. And mm-hmm. it always consists of meat. And I always thought it was specifically seafood, but it used to be roast beef. 
initially. Oh, really? Yes, not initially. Oh, actually, oysters. Were I thought first. like oysters. Oh, okay. Yeah, but because that's says, what I always would have oyster po' boy. Yeah, <laughs> it says roast beef was the most popular filling up until the 1970s, and I was really surprised by that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So the po' boy is um, usually served. Nope. Let's see. What was I at? I forgot what I had been saying. Okay. Um, so, I think you were just talking about, yeah, it's yeah. beef since so the 70s. It was beef. Um, and mm-hmm. so it can be beef or seafood as a filling. And then it's mm-hmm. served on a baguette like bread, like a French bread. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I want to know, have you had one from New Orleans? Have you had a po' boy from New Orleans? Yes, I have. Have you? I've had, oh my gosh. And I, and it was like, even when I was flying away, I had to get another one. I think it was mm-hmm. like, is it Acme um, Oyster Company or Acme? Acme. Something like that. Acme. Yeah. 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 And that's where, and so I would get Not the Acme. oyster po' boys. <laughs> No, no, not acne. <laughs> well, probably if you eat enough greasy food, yeah, it might happen. But, <laughs> but and they had the remoyad, remoyad. I don't know how to pronounce it. That sauce on there, mm-hmm. so good. But yes, and there, and you know what? I I can't really do a good job of frying oysters, so that's what I would always get like at a restaurant. But recently down here, we got alligator tail po' boy. Wow. That's uh, so all I'm going to say. Wow. That's like a good know. Can you imagine? Of Florida and New Orleans, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know what? They they got a lot of gators out there, too. I would think so. Don't they have? Isn't that the one where they have the people hunting for gators and you have to have subtitles to understand? That's like in Louisiana, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Have you ever seen that show? No, oh my gosh. They're at about? night and they look for the eyes and then oh, and they're talking to each other, I but you can't sure understand them because they're so. This and I always ignore those. <laughs> it's like naked like, this? animals in the bayou. You can't no, understand thanks. unless you're from there, you know, because no. they're Louisiana, deep south, swamp people that. And it might be <laughs> no. called swamp people. No. <laughs> but I think no. about it, I don't know. Yes, I'm not kidding you. Okay, so anyway. how was the Gator Pull Boy? It was very good. Was it, it was very good. But I tell you what, there wasn't enough Gator on it for me, you know, because it was, you know, they were probably skimping a little bit, trying well, to overcharge. It was festival. at a festival, yeah. 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 But um, but I just, I mean, there's nothing that beats an oyster one, in my opinion. Really? I can't even imagine a beef one. I'm like, that's I actually, just the regular. I thought the beef one sounded pretty good, too. Now, what do they do? Do they just, like, just slice up some roast beef and put it on there you know, with the it sauce? and like it's a shredded situation, like a shredded beef. Mm-hmm. And one um, writer that I had looked up had likened it to kind of a, like a St. Louis-style roast beef sandwich, which I thought, I thought was really mm. interesting. I'm sure yeah. it would be delicious anyway. Have you ever had a muffaletta? I have. I had one when I was down there. There mm, wasn't anything I disliked. Too. I mean, I had, I, <laughs> I know. you know, like I'd walk two feet and go, oh, let's try this. And, and I'd walk two yeah. feet more and try this. I thought and it let's was, have a hurricane in between. Yeah, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, a little, little bit of enjoyment. but um, So one thing I wanted to know was where the name came from. Cause I, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. so I don't know. Okay, to be completely honest, I found many, many sources for the names. <laughs> it sounds like it's kind of a 
loosey goosey thing, but the main, okay, the most accepted version is that mm-hmm. um, there was a restaurant owned by Benny and Clovis Martin, who are brothers. And okay, oh, okay, we're gonna stop because my dog just literally broke in this room. <laughs> she pushed the door open. <laughs> She I thought in. I heard the click. Whitney, thank you. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm back. She okay. loves you. She does love me. Okay, so there was this restaurant owned by Benny and Clovis Martin um, Brothers, mm-hmm. and they were mm-hmm. street streetcar conductors. And okay. in night, and then they became restaurateurs. Apparently, I was gonna say, "Wow, that's like." Yes, yeah, so I don't know. There's a there's a big uh, gap there. We don't. That was know. like the first food truck. Only it was a streetcar food. So, but they said in 1929 there was a strike against the streetcar company, and so mm. these brothers who were former conductors themselves would serve their their former colleagues who were on strike free sandwiches, and it kind of. They, you know, oh, kind of called them oh, that makes poor sense. boys. And that's that's Aww. one of the stories. I will tell you, many, many sources also say, though, that that is a bunch <laughs> of crap. And those guys made that up to make their restaurant famous. So that's I'm just saying with a little caveat, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, that's how it usually is. Yeah, those... I mean. But I thought that was really interesting. But basically, it's the bread and the meat. And then the toppings vary quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, some people will do... Um, you know, almost like a slaw, and and some don't mm-hmm. include that at all. So I think the toppings can vary quite a bit. It sounds like I think you just have to have that sauce on it, though. Yes, I mean, I mean that's just like, and that's hard to like. You can make it, I guess, but it's you can't always buy it. Maybe nowadays, but I remember over the years, I'd be like, I want that sauce, and I couldn't <laughs> find it in my store. Yeah, I I mean, New Orleans is. It's a great place to set a book, and it's a it is a great place to talk about food. I mean that it, for sure. I know. Yeah. All right. There's another destination for us. I know. Boy, keep, oh boy. We... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's take another little taste. Okay. And move into our favorite segment, the writer's perspective. Okay. All right. So this week I chose um, to talk about ghostwriting and co-writing because as we know with James Patterson I mean the guy's amazing he comes out with so many books and you know multiple books a year and a lot of it is because he co-writes them yes and um and so it's it's a good collaboration that he's found and so I just I'm kind of interested in and we've always been interested in Mm co-writing and so I said yeah so I did a little research okay tell me tell me tell me well um first of all I mean ghostwriting was something we also talked about remember with Tom Straw he was talking about that yeah and he was like kind of calling it ghostwriting versus you know because that's sort of what he did although it came out you know in versus his like case. A but there is a whole yeah, yeah but there's a whole group of ghostwriter I mean you can make money you and I could make money ghostwriting for people but it's sort of like it comes it's somewhat got a little bit of a shady edge to it because it's like you know you're basically you are never given credit for your writing it's always under like the celebrity's name or the whoever hires you Mm -hmm. um so you you don't get credit that way um 
but it's also liberating because you don't have to worry if nobody likes it. You know, well, that's true. <laughs> <It's not you. laughs> I never thought about that part of it, Christy. <laughs> yeah, so you know, and you, and you make money doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you need extra money, it's a good way to do that. And you just don't, you know, you don't get the credit, and you oftentimes can't write in your own style as much. You know, you have to write yeah. in the style of the person. Um, but then there's like with James Patterson, this co-writing, and there's a lot of people that do that. And so I was like, well, we've always, we ask them, don't we? We ask them every time, like, how do you do this? And they're all like, um, and you just never really get a concrete answer because I think there's so many different ways that people co-write. Yeah, I agree. And so in like, yeah, in James Patterson's case, um, what he does is he usually gives them a lengthy, detailed treatment between like 60 and 80 pages. Yeah. And then they have like this intense back and forth where they, you know, weekly phone calls, brutally honest feedback, you know, tireless per- pursuit of terrific, you know, I guess tireless that's Tireless pursuit his of term. terrific? That's a great yeah. phrase, isn't it? Yeah, and it must be what he, he, he you know, he's coined because this was from somebody who had co-wrote several books with him and so they were kind of describing how it goes. And then he, and then Patterson himself said, because um, he, he, the collaborative, the, these novels are his ideas, his characters, and a great deal of his input. So he does, he's hands-on a lot. But he says, I'm very good at plot and characterization, but there are better stylists. Mm. So that was an interesting take on it. But so that's how he does it. And he has stacks and he's just like apparently his whole life. I mean, he just tells stories. And so he he writes down these stories like ideas and outlines. And um, and so, I mean, and you know, life's too short. So he started getting people to write them for him because you can't write everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, So it's, that was, that's a very interesting way of doing it. And of course it worked really well for him. I mean, he's like, you know, and it works well for the people that he actually gets to um, co-author with him. Yeah. Because, you know, on a, you know, they'll get really often bestsellers and then, and then if, the story is good and the characters are good. They may have sequels and there's, you know, some that have been writing their whole career for him with him. Um, and then I, I did see, um, you know, tell me if I'm talking too much, but (laughs) I found another website of two guys that write like sci-fi together. Oh, so they co-write and yes. So they co-write. And so then you know, they were, somebody was interviewing them, um, and they were like, okay, exactly. And we want to know, mm-hmm. you know, how does the writing process work and how do you divide the writing? Yeah. Cause that's what we're always kind of wondering, I'm you very know, curious by this because I, I mean, it sounds like James Patterson has got his, what works for him down his method. Yes. yes. And I respect that immensely. I mean, it, it is a machine, and I think that's and and there's a huge amount of appetite for it, right? Just waiting mm-hmm. for his books. Um, mm-hmm. Other co-writers, it's. I mean, I you can imagine where I've heard people write one chapter back and forth, like one writes mm-hmm. even number chapters and one writes the odd number chapters, or mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked to recently when we were at Sleuth Fest, we talked to a, a, one member of a co-writing team. 
Charles Todd? Yes. And he writes mm-hmm. with his mother, and I, he didn't go into too much depth as far right. as how they write it, but they do take research mm-hmm. trips together. You know, so right. I just imagine there are about as many ways to co-write as there are ways to have a relationship, period. Right. And like these guys, they talked about it and, and you know, they were friends and they just decided because one guy had a lot of ideas, uh-huh. but, you know, of course, never got them all written. Yeah. And the other guy's like, well, which is your favorite? Because I like all of them or whatever. Um, and he picked one. And he said, OK, well, if we co-write it, let's do it, you know. Hmm. So they um, they but they did it by the type of, um, you know, where where their perspective would be like one might be more you know biology related one's more technology because they were writing sci-fi and mm-hmm. one so what they did is they each took a different character's point of view so they had two characters oh, with two different and so they did it by the and I know and I was thinking that that is a really good way to do yeah. it and then and then they had a third character that um that one of them chose because he was he you know that's the way he wrote was more like from that kind of perspective Mm -hmm. and then and then it came down to well you know they tried writing like you said a paragraph chapter and then the next one write a chapter and then Mm -hmm. you know they'd write the two chapters but then they realized that the um the emotional um feeling of the story was not meshing when they did it that way. Mm. So then what they had to do was they would have a very strict, you know, discussion on what we're going to write for the next, you know, say three chapters or four chapters. And they would divide up who's writing what. And then the first one, and then they'd have a strict schedule. So the first one would write, um, you know, the chapter and have it ready by such and such a time. And then the next, the next person would, edit that chapter so then they would know how the flow was going and write the next chapter which was theirs and they'd have to have it done by a certain time and then the next and then they would go back and he would edit what they wrote so then they could keep that same kind of feeling about it plus you know editing and then they of course could change things and discuss along the way too I thought that was fascinating it is fascinating I think that and you know you you kind of did something similar where you and Connor collaborated on an idea. Yes. You wrote the entire thing, but you did have some collaboration. And Yes, because, you know, it's and it, it is always good, I think, to have collaboration because, you know, you come up with these ideas and you're mm-hmm. like going, well, it could go this way, it could go that way. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you just want to do it, but then sometimes it's like, eh, I'm not sure, you know, what right. do you think? You Speaking know? of collaboration, listen to this. That's me pouring more wine. all right no i love the idea i am absolutely fascinated i think one of the one of the things that i find attractive about the idea is the same thing that i find like because i do love the solitariness of writing but i also hate the solitariness of writing right you know? And they and I'm you know what I'm gonna put a link to this interview. You hear me pouring wine. I'm gonna put a link to this. <laughs> this is what um, we'd be doing if we were together, by the way. So we have yes, to do it right. Um, yeah. To this interview because they talk about all kinds of stuff like that, like how you know they felt about and how you know y- y- not everybody's can write together, and you have to make sure that you have 
a clear vision and, you know, yeah. and, and the solitariness, you know, you still want that because you want your world, but mm-hmm. you have to at the same time, um, be willing to put that aside if you want to stay friends with the person you're you know, doing it. <laughs> there's so much that you get out of talking back and forth and getting that feedback mm-hmm. from somebody. So I can see the benefit mm-hmm. of that too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fascinated by um, co-writing situations, ghostwriting mm-hmm. situations, because that requires collaboration. Honestly, writing mm-hmm. under a pseudonym like Tom Straw did required collaboration mm-hmm. because he had an entire industry that was right. you know, a TV show and everything. So I, I think that's really interesting. Yep. And I say, as long as you can make a living, it's all good. Right? I mean... Yes. I know, yeah. I know. There's so many things to try. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I love it. Well, yes. That's really great. What a, what a fun concept. And speaking to talk of about. trying, yes. um, what do you think about the wine? You've already said it's great. Well, and yeah, it was a pretty good price point, I think. It's a really good price point. It's usually around $12.99 here. Um, mm-hmm. I really hope you liked it. It's one of my favorites. Like, I do. Yeah. If we're a white. I, I do. Like and I think, I think, uh, my sound editor is going to want to try it too. Cause I think his eyes lit up. <laughs> you should try it because With it's, he XFA, likes whites. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. Yes. And the book today was The Chef by, by James, James Patterson, Patterson with Max Delello. 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 Who is and- a, he, he has written with him before, um, on these like, book shots which that's a whole nother topic oh, we yeah. can't even mm-hmm. get into today um but he's a novelist playwright and screenwriter who oh, lives wow. in Nor- in los angeles and okay. he wrote this book awesome with james patterson okay so um all you mysterious foodies out there please <laughs> let us know what you think of our episodes and our corks and conversations they're so much fun you know i think people are really loving them um, maybe send us some ideas for uh, future books and authors that you would like us to interview or talk with. And you can reach out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our handle is at GOB Writers. Yes, and follow us there because we will drop hints on upcoming wine, books, and authors we'll be talking to. Yep. And that's it for today's episode of Game of Books, where we share food, wine, and mystery. Be sure to subscribe to us so you can get your food, wine, and mystery tips every Friday morning just in time for the weekend. This is Kathy. And Christy. Saying thanks for listening, everybody. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.